0: i felt like if you don't switch off digitally you cannot connect with nature you are always having this screen and for my practice and everything i do in that field when i do design when i start working on the metal i have to switch off because if you disturb that line of thought of creation it's, it's like you killing your own uh, vibe, basically, somebody else is waking up from a dream.
1: You're listening to Conversations for the Mystically Curious, a podcast brought to you by Kismet Berlin. On our show, we will interview creators, makers, and just generally inspiring people working in the realms of esoteric spirituality, science, and the arts. On today's show, we interview Sophie Tsuba. She's actually a good friend of mine, and I've known her for many years. Sophie is a certified jeweler and gemologist, and she has her own studio that she runs in Paris called Atelier Tsuba. She has over 20 years of experience in the fields of jewelry and gemology. She was a diamond grader, for one, and she also worked for multiple design houses in Paris. We wanted to interview her on our show because she has a deep pagan spiritual practice that feeds into her work and everyday creation. It wasn't always so easy, though, because ever since she was little, she knew she was a little bit different. All she wanted was to go do rituals in the woods near her house, and she would often bring back twigs and stones and mud. Over the years, she has learned to reconcile and not only accept but embrace the concept of living by the laws of nature and the elements. In our conversation, Kate, Sophie, and I talked about the alchemy of jewelry making, needing to disconnect to practice spell work, and the retirement of Daft Punk. Before we get into the interview with Sophie though, Kate and I decided to sit around and have a little chat.
2: Hey, Kate. Hey, Joey. So, Joey, it's sunny in Berlin today.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, when the sun comes out in Berlin, everybody drops everything, whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter if they're working or if they have something important and they just head outside and sit by the canal and drink a beer. That's that's the Berlin way.
2: (laughs) So we were talking about this earlier, Joey, instead of, you know, maybe a year ago doing everything online felt like a novelty. It is sort of terrifying and sometimes exciting, I won't lie, but also terrifying that we're transferring everything online. Um, I mean, not everything, but so many of the things that seemed impossible are now online. And uh, we've normalized it within a year.
1: Isn't it even strange when you think back, like when they first started shutting everything down, when there was the first lockdowns and it's like there was all these COVID trends, right? There was uh, baking banana bread or making Dalgona coffee or watching Tiger King. And everybody was sort of collectively doing the same thing. And it was kind of this novel thing, like, yes, this is a perfect time for sort of introspection and rejuvenation. And not to discredit those things, I think that a lot of people have gone through those cycles and and, um, have grown from it. But I think we've also reached a point where people are just Hmm. done you know they're like ready to move on (laughs) yeah I
2: remember uh during the beginning of the pandemic writing our first journal entry and it was on what is esoterica in 2020 and um it seemed like it was a big question like how were we going to you know get in touch with spiritual practices what would they be how would they change and I think the reality is that um spiritual practices have evolved in the same way we've evolved, you know. We now have um, spirituality going online, for better or for worse, you know. The, the connection that people uh, yearn for and the information that people yearn for, where you would normally have that in a class or a private group setting, um, people are now making those connections over the internet. Um, so. I don't know if that's an answer to the to the question that I asked last year, Esoterica in twenty twenty.
1: But don't you think that Esoterica in twenty twenty one is yet even a different beast than it was in twenty twenty? I mean, I feel like it's even evolved, yeah, in one year or already. Absolutely. Changed.
2: Yeah. What do you think Esoterica is in twenty twenty one?
1: I think that again, like I mentioned earlier, I think there was like sort of almost this like collective group think or sort of critical mass around certain activities and, you know, ways of thinking or ways of doing things. Um, And then we've sort of kind of deviated from that at this point, I guess, mainly because there's been a lot of difference in policy between different countries, for one, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in terms of how they've dealt with the pandemic, in terms of their uh, vaccination campaigns, you know, the speed at which they're vaccinating Uh, how they're dealing with lockdowns, et cetera. And so that sort of collectiveness has kind of disappeared. Now maybe you're seeing more sort of uh, individualized group experiences. Like I think a good example would be Clubhouse. Mm. I think a lot of um, sort of discussions are moving onto platforms like that, which it's like first it was Zoom, right? And then now we've we've sort of gone to 2.0, even more sophistication where uh, people are actually like having you know meetups and stuff on on apps like Clubhouse. Mm yeah that's a good perspective like there isn't a one-size-fits-all and especially when it comes to uh spirituality Mm. so um and then it's even interesting because we're seeing in the indie tarot world there's just been an explosion of new tarot decks coming out i mean we were chatting the other day that usually usually always in the spring there's a lot of new decks that come out and more kickstarter campaigns etc uh, but it seems like this year, I mean, uh, the woman on indie deck review, I mean, it seems like she doesn't have enough hours in the day to uh, <laughs> review decks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like uh, we're all still confused and uh, looking for guidance. And yeah, tarot. tarot is a tool. I mean, I know my my use of tarot has evolved. Personally, if I'm feeling a bit uh, down sometimes I don't turn to tarot but whenever I'm wanting to get some sort of guidance and I don't know the way things will go and I'm trying to reflect on you know what I already know to sort of figure out how to to guide myself rather than telling the future that's when I turn to tarot and lately it's been a month of tarot monthly monthly pulls either one card or a full spread and it's it seems like since we're getting into coronavirus 2.0, whatever you want to call it, we don't really know what's going to happen, and it's different in every country. We, we can't look to necessarily authorities or even society to give guidance. So it's, uh, yeah, a very personal process of needing to reflect and go within and needing tools to do that.
1: Speaking of which, we're going to pick a tarot card to discuss. So on this episode, we're going to be using uh, the Super Lunaris deck, which is a beautiful deck by a couple from Florida, and uh, we're only going to use the Major Arcana this time, uh, since we're going to talk about sort of big, expansive concept. So sometimes to make it easier, uh, actually, even a suggestion for people starting out in tarot, sometimes it's good to just start to work with the major arcana. Mm, so
2: to really get your your feeling for all the archetypes.
1: So without further ado, I'm gonna choose a card here. We just have to an ASMR. Like oh, we got judgment.
2: Whoa, judgments.
1: So in the Super Lunaris deck, the Judgment card is portrayed as a woman kind of walking down a pier uh, and then there is a big face in the sky. It looks very galactic and we're not quite sure where she's heading.
2: Well, Judgment, for me, always makes me start thinking about the way that I judge things, the way that I judge myself and the way that I am judged either by people or by the universe I think that's the first time I've ever pulled the judgment card on a single card draw
1: it's interesting because I feel like uh, sometimes there's varying uh, definitions of the judgment card some feel more rigid and some feel more optimistic and more flexible I Mm. guess I guess it is a card that's sort of really open to a lot of self-interpretation not really a negative or a positive card i would say it's a more neutral hmm. card uh just depending on what your situation is um, yeah or i guess
2: it's easy to take as a neutral card
1: i don't know i would say when i look at this card right now it really again just makes me think of the situation with all these uh all these strict measures we have in place and it almost feels like we as a population are being judged if that makes sense, like. You know we're being tested and we're being, you know, required to do all these things. Even though we're, you know, if you want to put it like innocent in a way, I guess mm. if that makes sense. But yet we're really being put to the test here with our with our patience and our freedoms and things like that. And so I don't know. It almost feels like a sort of judgment of humanity. I know that's a really like big. Uh, big overarching uh uh interpretation but that's what it evokes for me when i look at it right now
2: yeah it also makes me think about flipping it around so judgment for humanity because you can always learn about humanity by observing how it reacts but also humanity's judgment of this is also a big one our judgment of the structures that we have in place I think it is a moment where people really start to question things in a way that they did not question, perhaps not judging yet, although I think at some point we will have to make new judgments about things like the media, things like our various governments, things like educational institutions, um, social roles. you know, futures that we envisioned that are no longer possible in the way that we had thought they would be once. And maybe through that judgment, we were, we're expanding what we think is possible, right? So if you take a positive view on it, even though I don't think it's comfortable to judge and be judged, it will get us into the next phase that we will inevitably have to go to. We'll define the boundaries that that we need. Speaking of judgment and the judgment card, our next guest has a lot of fascinating things to say about how she herself decided to define her life on not allowing the opinions or judgments of others to set her course.
0: Hi, Sophie. Hello. Hi, Joey. Hi, Kate. Really happy to be here. I'm really honoured. I'm really honoured you have invited me.
2: Uh, We're honoured to have you.
1: Yeah, and we're so excited since you're our first guest and you can be here with us for our growing pains as we learn how to podcast. Yeah,
0: and that's an amazing experience. It's my first time. I never did uh, such a podcast and, uh, and I think your project is brilliant. So, yeah, I can't wait.
2: Can you tell me how did you originally get into jewelry and gemology?
0: Uh, well, I got into that pretty young. I was uh, coming to uh, college, and I didn't want to go to university at all. I didn't want to get a normal bachelor. I was, I was bored at school really. I wasn't a bad student. I was just doing things that you should do and was really interested in science. And But um, I couldn't go on, on being a scientist because I didn't get the math grades that I needed. And I decided that I wanted to do something with my hands. So I was really into fashion and I really wanted to make clothes and be able to do that. But that was when I was 15. And then my one of my cousins did um, uh, how do you call that in English is uh, basically the, the you know a school where a trade school, so there was a trade school for jewelry making, and that's how you learn trades. In France, you go to trade school. That's how you do the the woodwork, the jewelry work, everything related to arts. You go to trade schools, and I started one, and I was. Uh, a little bit more than 16, and, uh, and I stayed there for, for six years in that school, passing three different diplomas, and you gradually get to get to do everything related to jewellery. But to go back to your question, it is, uh, I really wanted to do something with my hands. I didn't want to sit down on a bench and learn things. I wanted to find uh, material that would suit me. So at the beginning I thought about clothing and then when I discovered jewelry making with my cousin I visited the school and I said, and I set myself and I said that's it I really want
1: to do it I think it's fascinating. So you went to trade school in France and so how long yes. was the program that you took there and what and what was it exactly actually like what kind of skills were they teaching you at this school?
0: Well in France you get this traditional way to make jewelry, um, different countries like Italy and Spain, um, England as well, uh, will have a very traditional way to make jewelry and objects. So you learn everything from scratch, handling the material, handling the fire, um, knowing the the science behind the temperature, the point of fusions, all the acids that you use um, to treat the metal, to make it cleaner, to clean it after you, you heat it. You have all sorts of different formulas and things to learn and all the tools. Learning all the tools, learning how to use a maximum of tools to bend, saw, um, crush, um, make it thinner, longer, have different color. So you get to... That's how you dip your feet slowly in alchemy, and I took that way, and other people took a more traditional jewellery, French jewellery tradition, and I've decided to go on to the the, the a more magical path, um, also with metal very, very early on, and I was experimenting very early on metal at school you know because you get all those amazing tools you can use in big machines and it was very very well tended uh we we, it was an amazing place really it's like
1: hogwarts but for jewelry so we're we're gonna get like later in the podcast for sure more into your your magical uh past and and all about alchemy but um what happened after you graduated from school then what did you do
0: I wanted to work, obviously, and then I. So, oh, I started working as a, a precious stone grader for a great company called Gem and he specialized in in all color sapphires there is at least 50 different shades of natural sapphires on earth and i was uh, basically grading colors and making all those degrade from from green to pink to everything for high jewelry clients and jar, and boucheron and uh, all those places so i was uh, you know touching stones from almost the beginning when when I started working and then I went on to work again for another four years for diamond dealers and I was grading diamonds, uh, all colours and shapes and uh, quality and I've been trained to do so because nobody trained me at school so that was something that I was like, be trained with masters of diamonds, I knew everything and And yeah, so that took about seven years of my life. That was a seven-year cycle when I left the school and uh, I stopped working for the diamonds. It was a seven-year log.
2: (laughs) How was it um, getting to handle stones like emeralds and diamonds on a daily basis?
0: Um, You always keep in mind that it's a precious thing that you always, uh, you do, someday you don't realize they're diamonds, really. But you know they're diamonds, but uh, it's it's just, um, there's so many, you get so much to do with them. So it's like, if you wanna, if you wanna basically sort grains of sense, it's the same aspect you need to, it's the meditative work as well. Like you sit for hours, some work you have a sort of a special microscope binocular where you look at the stones even larger and you, le- you look through them really deep down inside the stones. You see all their details how they've been cut. You see whether they have other things. So you look at them like really, really, really tiny and, uh, and you do that for hours and hours and hours. So it's quite alienating. It's quite... Um, you lift your head at some point and you don't really know you there. You've been like inside the stones for so long and you kind of like tick 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 having this work like a a little ant, you know? Like really minuscule. Being able to go in a magical space in your mind allow you to defend yourself against things that could lead you to insanity, like sorting diamonds for a day is sometimes 4,000, 5,000 stones, you know? <laughs> so you go mad, you know? And that's how I stopped as well, and I couldn't go on no more as well. I needed to do other things because you do inside the things and you don't see a, a, any more from the outside, so...
1: Were you counting diamonds in your sleep as well?
0: <laughs> oh, you, you do everything. <laughs> I had a problem with my eye. Was one of my pupil was... Permanently dilated, because my magnify was always working on one eye, and I wasn't really making my both of eye working. So one my pupil was permanently dilated, and people really looking at me a bit funny, <laughs> saying, what, what's wrong with you?" And then I realized something was wrong. So I had to do some exercise and stuff to get it back.
1: You you mentioned a while back that uh, you felt that there was a sp- part of you that was very much into paganism and, you know, sort of alternative spiritual traditions, and you felt that it was something that you really couldn't live fully or openly. Um, Mm. Is this still the case? Do you still feel this way?
0: This comes back to my childhood where I definitely felt like uh, I was opening to different things, mind you, without having any access to, uh, you know, We were in the 80s, you know, there's no... Internet is here today, but it's like, I was living in the countryside, uh, nearby a forest, surrounded by nature, surrounded by by people, the new nature. I was doing whatever I wanted. I did rituals since I was literally seven years old, and I remember moments and songs and feelings where we're standing in the middle, of a field and I still have those images and I knew there were magical moments and um, because also the way I feel inside, like having those strange shakes and heats at tips of my fingers and some some something like coming rolling inside my belly coming up to my heart and I recognize those moments, you know, I and um and I managed to reproduce that everywhere I can, where I need to because the, just the nature is calling at that moment is so powerful. And I feel like the, the, over the years I tend to be myself and people accepted that but they didn't see that as, as, uh, as if I named it as witchery. Or oh, if I say it, I was a witch. They just they could see my place. They could see what I what I did, and they they themselves were call, calling me a witch without me saying it. You know because they knew I had the possibility to have the kind of spiritual conversations, or they could come to me for some problem or getting a stone and having something fixed for them jewellery-wise, which was mending something for them. And I felt like I rolled on to be a metalsmith uh, and a wish in metalsmiths via this work, basically, without. And I had to kind of hide it, but the people that wanted to know it, they could see it.
2: It sounds like you have a very strong, intuitive connection and have had from a young age through to now with things that are very elemental that's what's coming through for me
0: yeah and i never ever pushed any of those feelings away or thinking i was abnormal or this wasn't and i come from a christian one a part of my family is very catholic and christian and celtic and the other one is artists and musicians and agnostics, so I've, I've had a bit of a both, so I always have had those conversations about about magical about magic about um, but not it was like more institutionalized but I was allowed to speak about everything, so um, I was encouraged to do whatever I wanted to do uh, I loved the rituals in the catholic church i think that i never quite enjoyed going to church and i went to church until i was 15 every sunday that's how religious the household was but then um then when i decided i never wanted to to go again it was fine although i always come back to churches for meditation and reflection time even today even though i don't attend any cult and i don't believe in god um, there's uh there's certainly the way they are built the building the there is history and vibes and all these sorts of things and there is silence which you crave when you live in such a city and with a lot of traffic like paris you want to escape from that and i found out that Churches were actually the best buildings to be in a quiet place. You can cry if you want, nobody is going to look at you. You can talk to yourself. You can have rituals. You can do many different things because you are in your in a space which is sacred. And I think that I don't associate churches to religion, but I feel like it's a it's really a temple. That's um that's what I feel. And so that's that's how I learn from 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 both ways from pagan and from religion.
1: And since your family was pretty religious themselves, um are they aware of your more spiritual leanings? Do you ever talk oh, yeah. to them about it? Like what are their feelings about it?
0: No, it's just like it came really gradually, but I always I was always that child, I was like gathering branches and leaves and making altars since I was really young in the garden and they they never quite associated that to... Magic, but then I kept doing it, and I kept being the same child, and I kept uh, celebrating nature. Uh, I think I was started to do ecstatic dancing, and I when every child starts, meaning four years old, and you turn and you swirl your head round, and you feel like the world is like completely falling around you, and and when you keep that cessation going over forty years, then you get really comfortable. Um, or with your own selves and people kind of like accept you you it's been being truly myself that helped me against uh, what people wanted me to be in the society, which mean uh, have a regular job and do things regularly. And when you start believing in magic want to be part of that you' it's just the way you are and I don't think you lear- you can learn from that you. It's just acknowledging that you have this feeling, and everyone has it, but you developed it on art, because every child is like that. But then we are taught
2: to be in line. How did you first begin developing your magical practices?
0: I was pretending to be a witch, but I had no idea what a witch was. You see what I mean? I, I, I was reading... Children books, but they were like school children books. My mother was a school teacher, and uh, a kindergarten school teacher, and um, so I wasn't having access to nothing. We had a three-channel black and white television. We, this again, that's the eighties. So, I was attracted to things that weren't in my asshole at all. You know, I wasn't having access to that at all. It just came naturally. And even like finding books uh, about magic, finding books about symbolism, along the way I found sing- signals and books and objects and stones and people that were paving the way for me, you know. And I just choose to look at them. And to see them, you know, because everybody can see, you know, with a different eye. And I I think that I was always a rebel and I I never wanted to sit still in class. And although I, yes, I did, but for my own good, because I knew that I would be in trouble if I weren't. So I learned pretty quickly how to do things the other way around without anybody noticing me. And that's what you know being a witch is also is also being part of life and being among people and not really being noticed but you notice a lot of more things you know you just you know it's like smelling the wind and knowing the rain is coming it's has like that
2: with all of the experience that you've had with magic as well as all of the different creative experiences you've had uh, professionally How do you feel like in 2021, how does your spiritual practice inform uh, what you create or what you make or what you feel called to do?
0: What I started to do with jewelry making quite naturally is to translate people's ideas and feelings the way they wanted to have a jewelry made for themselves, which was already part of a ritual where the instru- introspection, the work you do on yourself makes you think about a shape, a color, something that makes you say words about yourself to celebrate yourself, to be able to to enjoy an object made for you, for yourself. And um, I think that I... N- i have the instinct of knowing what people want when they want it because they don't they 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 are saying words they are not fully expressing themselves about jewelry and and uh, I help them to create that translation in metal and find the right color in gemstone and why this stone and if they want if they are interested about lithotherapy and the meaning of stones we can look together on finding something that suits their needs and um and 2021 influenced me because of all the old deal that we have had for a year it pushed me even more to keep the work going and not stop making jewelry for people and uh, not desperate if the work doesn't come at some point or if it's slow of people are scared because you they will come back because they need to take care of themselves um, the only way jewelry can basically i think that wearing a talisman having a jewelry made for yourself it leads you to anchor yourself better on who you are, because you are making the effort for yourself, basically, on, on, on allowing yourself to be beautiful, allowing yourself to be looked at, allowing yourself to spend what you have for something that doesn't seem so meaningful, but in the end, this is something that only you will have. Having a jewelry made, a talisman made for yourself, an object you can have in your pocket or on a furniture, something you can look at, meditate with, they solely, purposely for you. It's quite rare right now in the world in consumerism and all the things that we have permanently and can access so easily. Taking the time to make something, to discuss about it or to make something for somebody else. that's the other parts of the project which are amazing is to create a a jewelry for a loved one that's something it's uh it's an incredible process um and i've i really thoroughly enjoy it it's um such a good thing to do so so lucky
2: Hmm, so it sounds like you are able to channel in a way through talking with your clients um, something that is magical that that they're maybe not quite sure how they would like to manifest, and you yeah. you're able to help them distill it into a a, a talisman or a piece of wearable um, art.
0: I it's like a coming to democracy in jewelry world and allowing people to access jewelry and having a dream piece in your mind and say, I can have it made. And it's not only accessible to people that have thousands of euros or whatever currency you want to spend. And because I'm against that and I'm against having social distances with a precious object, basically, because you're not allowed, like there is rules about that. And I want to break those rules that is, is possible um, to have a dream made for yourself you know a jewelry piece even if it's just one time of your life you will never do it again but it's that one and um, and uh, and you decide to, to consume differently as well not having a thousands of fake uh, jewelry or plastic or something you aren't going to wear or stuck in a box but having few handmade pieces curated or limited edition, something that, like a crystal, you will never find twice the same. If you set your eyes on a stone, I say that to people when they choose the gemstones or crystals with me, if you set your eye on something, don't wait to buy it, because somebody else will be going to buy it from you, instead of you, but you will regret it, you will dream about that stone. That's that's why I'm, I'm, I'm working on a different field with gemstones, because I also buy the stones which are not necessarily liked in the mass market where people want to have like the very clean stone, the perfect cutting, which amazing people do. But for a different budget, you can have stones with a
1: life inside. What tools and books do you use, uh, like for your practice or for gems, etc.? In terms of books,
0: I always refer myself to actual books. I rarely find what I want online, even though I found amazing websites where you can download, like PDFs and and such. Um, I found Books of Magic um, when my first Book of Magic, I was 17, and it was called The Book of Magic, but in French, Le Livre de la Magie, which now goes very expensive. And I saw that on different collectors' uh, website, And it's a really rare, limited edition. And you have a bit of story of dark magic. You have a lot of explanations on where lies uh, your limits as a human and how you can interpret the science and what do you decide, basically, and which side you decide to go to. Um, in terms of that, um, my choice is obviously to... For the Greater Good. The recent one, over the years, I get to be really, really interested about the work of Scott Cunningham, which is um, a magical writer. He had so many different books. And I have always in hand, and with bookmarks, I've got Earth, Air, Fire and Water and uh, Techniques of Natural Magics from Scott Cunningham, which I found extremely useful it has the most amazing way to speak and to explain the rituals and how to yeah really connect with nature and i've got the encyclopedia of crystal gem and metal magic also from scott Cunningham, which i really praise uh, because he managed to really have an honest uh, talk about how to use the elements and there is a lot of history, is explained a lot of the past and why the gems and metal were used um, for the parts of the body, the chakras, but uh, in, 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 in a really, really beautiful way. Like, he, his books are amazing. And of course, I've got um, the Hermetical Museum of Alchemy and Magic, which is a freaking dictionary sorry excuse me i I don't want to swear but um it's huge and it's immensely complete and everybody should have that in their library to just for it's like history of art of mysticism basically and you've got all the references all the dreams you can have you can look of the symbolism anything related to any symbol or signs you see and feel you will find something in that, and um, and the list is non exhaustive because I am I'm, I'm using different books uh, about crystals, yeah. Even Judy Hall, uh, Bible crystals are amazing. She's such a good woman. She's keep on working. and She's still editing her books. Um, they, there's different authors like that, but Scott Cunningham is definitely my favorite. And uh, by counsel of a very good friend of mine as well, I've started to read *Waking the Witch* by Pam Grossman, and I really, really, really love this book. Uh, Was it me she who told
1: you to read that? Is, absolutely,
0: it's <laughs> you. Uh, and this is such an amazing suggestion. Thank you for that. It's uh, I'm having a lot of fun reading her. I feel like I'm right. I I, I could have wrote this book in different parts of it because she talks about the way you feel and and as a child and it's, it's just um it's just had this uh, very natural way of talking to you as a witch basically to a witch and uh she's brilliant uh i would love to meet her and uh, i'm going to look into more of her work yeah she's great i love her perfect
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i think pam grossman is like our spiritual sister because uh especially for Kate and I, because she's also a fellow Aquarius and she was born uh, exactly around the same time as us, same year, everything. So it was really interesting for us when we read the book, like also all the cultural references as well, like, you know, when talking about uh Toriemos, for example, and yeah that's amazing
0: you know know, because you can you can so much relate i mean we 40 years old girls and she's writing she's telling us about everything about our generation that come to be a bit lost at the moment i don't feel like we 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 do we don't have our way but also we part of this generation which could contemplate and uh we learned more about getting bored and comp- contemplating or doing stuff that were in computer relating or social media. Or, so our connections were really different as well, I feel like. And she reminds us about that time. And, um, and, I, f- and I feel like our path could have crossed at some point, definitely, because of everything she says.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, because actually this morning I was even thinking, because uh, uh, I a good friend of mine, she's about 15 years younger than me, and... Um, Actually, it came about, we were talking about The Matrix. And and I was graduating from high school when that movie came out. And she was only, I think, around like six years old.
2: <laughs> and then it, yes. just,
1: it occurred to me, I was like, wow, her reality must be so different at the end of the day. And I really want to ask her the question, like, what was it like just never knowing an offline life? Like, I can't exactly. even imagine. And I think that in
0: this offline life, um I, f- I feel like for my practice, for me, one of the most important thing is to absolutely disconnect, just to be with myself as well. Because you, you're not necessarily setting yourself in a really meditat- meditative state, or being truly uh, in the ritual because you've got everything going on in your life already. But I, I felt like if you don't switch off digitally, you cannot connect with nature you are always having this screen and for my practice and everything I do in that field when I do design when I start working on the metal when there is all that happening I have to switch off because if you disturb that line of thought of creation it's, it's like you killing your own uh, vibe basically because somebody else is waking up from a dream, uh, is waking you up and um, and you've the new generation or at least people even us now um, to to practice you've got to disconnect you cannot be looking one eye on Instagram and trying to read something about magic or concentrating on a crystal I mean obviously i feel like everybody will agree with me but it, sometimes i feel like it's it's harder for others and they want to do everything but they can't disconnect so because they're afraid they will be on their own a little bit and you've got to be on your own you got to face it and you got to have those feelings that cannot be recorded on camera cannot be shared in public and I mean why would you try to explain something that is unexplainable? So, those kind of things people crave today to relate, to record, to show, to get likes. But magical practice doesn't require all that, and you cannot get likes for that. It's like you see your own inside practice, no one else can do it. So, you get to switch off. So, so, so important.
2: I feel. That- Absolutely the same. If you could go back and talk to a younger Sophie and give her a bit of advice uh, from something that you've learned recently, uh, what would you say?
0: Wow, well, so much, obviously. Um, I think I could have trusted my instinct more. And, um, I, 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 I could have trust myself earlier in my practice. Um, that's for sure, because now i realize realized that life is short ish and, um, and, uh, it's not about achievement. It's about You know, making the right step for yourselves. So I felt like I could have like set up myself in other places and discover more, basically. Not regretting, but possibly with following even better instincts, I would have gone even faster and better for myself. Um, That's not quite an answer, but...
2: Maybe given yourself permission.
0: yes. And, 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 yeah, standing on your two feet and um, I was because I so wanted to be myself and be left alone. I think I was almost aggressive when I was like a teenager <laughs> and I was like furiously wanted to be left alone and and doing my my little things, you know, so that doesn't go well in society um i mean for family and and you know your siblings so and then i realized that i i founded my happiness in meeting the right people and being surrounded like with hand-picked people around me and uh and everything would be fine
2: hmm. i think that's good advice
1: You mentioned the words faster and better. Uh, You just reminded me of that Daft Punk song. Something like that. And that was exactly the time. I guess it's appropriate given that they just (laughs) disbanded. Absolutely.
0: And it's a good time for them as well. I mean, I wouldn't want to see my work colleague for 28 or 29 years. Good on them to do something else and go with a bang and everything. This is a, it was a beautiful literally. end, yeah, literally, literally. But that was it, <laughs> and they they used the symbolism through that as well to announce something which their own decision. So people were like, "How oh, is it possible?" And uh, they can separate, and you're like, "Well, you can't get them like work and be a Rolling Stone and be on stage until the ninety, during EDM or something." <laughs> uh, you know, it's not. It doesn't work like that. And people are allowed to stop. People are allowed to change the course of their life. It's not because you're in the public eye that you are and you know, people are entitled to tell you no, you've gotta you gotta keep singing and you gotta keep writing and you gotta do this and that. And maybe they just want to do completely something completely different. And that's good on them. And I felt like being stuck in a relationship or because you have to because you have contracts And that's, for me, that would be the worst nightmare, I guess. You know, because you're not free and they freed themselves. And I think that they went really fast and strong and they inventing something. But because they kept themselves, they hid themselves, they hid their faces. They wanted to work a magical work,
1: basically. But I was going to say, there's something actually quite magical about Daft Punk, too. So... The, by the fact that they never really revealed themselves hmm. uh, you know, this whole yes. entire time. So
0: because it was the only thing they wanted you to listen to was the music. And maybe something that I want people to, remind, uh, to be reminded of me would be the jewelry that I made for them. I don't have any proof about a photography. If I lose my hard drive, I don't have any proof. But the person that wears the jewelry, you see what I mean? Mm. It's not... Mm. You know it's it's uh, so when you make music and you have this this incredible talent like Daft Punk you don't need to show your face people don't need to know what you look like so they can criticize if you get long hair or you get a hair on your nose or anything you know because the music is the most important so They found an amazing way to work. I really, really uh, admire Daft Bang. It's not because they're French, but they generally changed the face of music.
1: I think you're allowed to have a little bit of uh, (laughs) national pride on that one. Yes.
2: Many people don't realize this, but kismet is an ancient word borrowed into English. And we chose it because it is related to a force that's like destiny. It belongs to several languages and has different historical and geographical layers to its meaning. Modern dictionaries define it as a force that some people think controls what happens in the future. So, do you believe in fate or destiny?
0: I believe in destiny. Uh, the one thing was because of all the different signs and people and paths. That crossed mine. I think uh, it's it, there's too many. There's too many obvious reasons why all this was on my way. A shaman one day told me that I was destined for gems and stones, and uh, she could envision me with a blue crystal uh, in the middle of my forehead. And that everything since my birth was destined to be surrounded myself with the, the stones, the minerals, something from the ground, something that is related to the earth, the, really the actual element of earth. I felt like I never had to struggle to find my way, so my destiny was in front of me and I just took the right decision at the crossroads, you know. Some people listen to their parents and they became lawyer because that's the way you have to do. And me, I was like, I think this, I want this. And I did it and I worked for it. And I, you know, you graduate and you do all that, but then you get a work after graduation. So how do you work? How do you f- make this flourish, this destiny flourish for you? So I was like working every day, absolutely every day. 60, 70 hours a week, know what I want to be able to construct that slowly, slowly and, and I never felt, like I was, sometimes I was tired but I never felt like I was wasting my time because I knew I was led by something.
2: Sophie, if we want to find you on the interwebs, what is the best way to find your work?
0: Well, the easiest, the fastest way you can find me is on Instagram. That's one of the the first link so you can find me on Tsuba Gems and also on Atelier Tsuba which are my two accounts where I showcase my gems and my jewelry making and I have also a website www.tsubagems. Dot com Um there's few gemstones showcased there but there's also all my contacts and there's many 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 different treasures that are not at all on the website are hidden in my safe and I if you're looking for something particular uh, you can speak to me directly on the website or via Instagram and I'd be really happy to answer the questions about gemstones and what you're looking for and and see where we go. Brilliant.
1: This show was produced, recorded, and edited in Berlin, Germany, by us, Joey, and Kate. Check out our website to find a magical selection of ethical crystals, indie tarot cards, handmade jewelry, and natural candles and incense. You can find us at www.kismetberlin.com. That's www.k-i-s-m-e-t b-e-r-l-i-n.com as well as on Instagram at kismetberlin all in one word music is by Tobu and the track is entitled Sapphire thanks for listening and stay mystically curious